Great. Well, we're in a great season now, season of prayer and fasting. Who's getting excited about that? Yeah, I'm excited about that. I know that even if it's a bit uncomfortable and you feel like you're dying, in fact, actually, you're going to come to life. And you just always got to see the end from the beginning. Don't focus on the fasting. Focus on experiencing God. Focus on where you're going, not what it takes to get there. No one gets anywhere by focusing on the cost. You focus on the vision. And so as we set a season of fasting, all of us need to set some goals. What is it I'm fasting for specifically? And uh, I, we've just over the last few weeks, I just felt the Holy Ghost stirring. Man, I felt stirred in my spirit these last two or three weeks. Holy Ghost stirring us out of passivity. How many felt challenged about being passive? Whoa, shake it off. Tell someone next to you, shake it off. Shake it off. That's right, shake it off. So, and then we, uh, I, I just felt so stirred as we looked at that whole area of having a militant spirit, not militant against people, but a militant spirit. When you hear the word militant, you tend to think of fundamental uh, uh, extremists who blow people up. And uh, there's a kind of a little bit of a comparison, but uh, we're not into that. We're into touching the presence of God. I mean, radical about advancing the cause of Jesus Christ, letting people know He's alive. And I, I was uh, hearing there's, there's a whole heap of people going out in prophetic evangelism team just bringing words of God to people. Uh, the, there's been a flow of uh, the Spirit of God and the prison, and lots of prisoners are just getting touched by the teams that are coming out from the church. It's a great time. It's a great time. Tell someone, it's a great time to be alive. Better than last year. <laughs> okay, we're going to start off in Numbers chapter 5. I want to, uh, I want to uh, speak today on arise. We're going to be the theme of today is arise. Tonight we have our extended uh, time of uh, prayer and worship. Arise. When we get to pray next week, arise. Say, a stir in the church. Arise. Stir up and start to be different and do different things. And uh, so I want to, the theme today then is arise. Prayer and fasting to unlock the supernatural. And I've had something the Lord has been, uh, has had on my heart all week. I haven't been able to get out of my mind, really. And uh, I was trying to get onto the battles that Jehu fought. Anyone have a look at those battles, by the way? Well, great. So one, one person did. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Here we are. Look at read Numbers 10. So we're going to, I want to share with you some things to get you to lift your vision as to what can happen in a season of prayer and fasting. If you just keep expecting and thinking the same way you did last year, you won't get much different. And I want us, I believe God is just encouraging us to expand our expectation of what He can do. And uh, so to do that, you need a little bit of perspective from the Word of God on this. And I want to share with you some things that really have got me stirred. So Numbers 10 verse 5, when you sound the advance, the camps that lie in the east shall begin their journey. And so always in the Bible, whenever they wanted to move the people of God, they had a trumpet would sound. So the trumpet sounded. It had meant there were many different trumpets, and they each had different sounds, and people learned to recognize the different sound. There are also many different movings of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying, not what He said to the church a decade ago, what He's saying now. And when you hear what the Spirit of God is saying and you begin to respond, then you are responding to the trumpet. And God is now stirring the church apostolically to go forth into the community and every believer to recognize and understand 
I am apostolic. I am sent by God as a blessing and an agent of change in the community. I am a kingdom enforcer in the community. But we need to learn how to do that. In the next weeks we'll be unfolding some things on how you can go about it, what you'd need to do. So firstly I want to just lift up the whole expectation for the supernatural. So advance, to advance meant you can't be passive, you can't stay where you are, you can't hold current ground. You have to make a decision, I am going to make changes. All advance requires changing. So if you're going to advance, if you're going to advance financially, make some changes. Advance spiritually, make some changes. Wherever you expect growth this year, you'll have to make changes. And you can't be passive, you've got to be proactive. And uh, last week we looked at Jehu, 2 Kings 9. 2 Kings chapter 9, we're just, we're just catching up where we were last week. 2 Kings chapter 9, we saw how in verse 1 through to 3, Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said, get ready, take this flask of oil in your hand, go to Ramoth Gilead, and then when you've got there, find out Jehu and make him rise up from among his friends, take him into an inner room, and there anoint him to be king and tell him, I've anointed you king. And we saw that if we're going to move forward, we need to rise up on the inside. You've got to break out of where you've been. You've got to take some action of some kind different to what you've been doing. Break the routines. Break the habits. Secondly, we saw there's a need to enter the place of prayer. And thirdly, to receive and embrace new things from God. And I believe one thing that came upon him at that time was the spirit of might. It was a spirit to make war because from that moment on, he began to pick fights. And we saw how Jesus did it as well. Not being contentious, that's a different thing. Contentious is someone who's just stirring up trouble for the sake of stirring up trouble. This man was not like that. He had a mission that whatever was contrary to God's plan for the nation, he would confront it and disturb it. And Jesus did exactly the same thing. And so you've, as, you, as you start to think right now, we're in a season where God is wanting us to rise up like kings, and kings are called to rule, have dominion. You are kings and priests. Priests minister to God, but kings have dominion. We've got to learn how to do that. We've got to learn how to come into the community and make our presence and re- felt and the presence of God felt wherever we go. So kings go to war. Kings go to war. And this is what this guy did. He went out for war. Jesus was anointed for war. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, he said, The Son of Man has come, or be manifested to, destroy the works of the devil. Now that's militant talk. Sickness. Oppression. Addictions. Breakdowns in relationships, the works of the devil. Jesus was militant against spiritual powers to uncover them and to bring people into freedom. And that's what being militant is about. It's not badgering people and being just an irritation to them. It's about bringing an agent of change with the power of God and the presence of God in your life. So now what I want to do is I want to go now and just to start to look at the nature of the conflict, particularly the aspect of prayer and fasting. And, uh, and share some things. So in Ephesians 6 verse 12, first thing we see is our conflict is spiritual. It's not against people. Ephesians 6 verse 12, we wrestle not, we wrestle not 
against flesh and blood. We're not fighting people. We're not fighting people, being angry with people, contentious with people, beating down on people. That is not the heart of God. God loves people. So on the one hand, we have a spirit of love towards people to go and enter their world and touch their lives. With the other, there's a spirit of militancy against demonic powers which hold people in darkness, hold them resistant to the gospel. So on the one hand, there's an extreme militancy in spiritual matters. The other hand, there's an area of being able to love and serve and engage people. It's a kind of an interesting paradox, isn't it, eh? How you, on the one hand, are called to be loving. On the other hand, called to be very aggressive, very militant. You want to cast out demons, you become extremely militant. You want to enter the heart of a person, become very gentle and loving and talk with them and listen to them and enter their world. Any idea? Okay then, so our conflict is primarily against spiritual power. So we've got to locate where they are, and particularly how to get engaged in warfare with them. Say? So at the moment, we can say then, for this coming three weeks, your warfare is not against any person. Your warfare is against anything that stands in opposition to your relationship with God. You got anything in your life that's robbing your relationship with God? then you've got to declare war. You've got to actually make a stand against that thing and begin to start to push to change your priorities in life. Anything that uh, robs you, anything that obstructs you doing what God called you to do. If God has called you to do something, what are you doing to prepare and do that? Anything that's in the way of that is something you've got to wage war against. You've got to fight your breakthrough, and you're connected with God, and you're out, you've got the things that are in the way in your life. Maybe it's various things you've just allowed to clutter your life. Could be a simple thing like TV. Could be your internet. So whatever it is stopping you doing what God says to do, get to deal with it. And then the third area that we warfare in is in the, in the metron. I'll explain that in detail in another session. But the, your metron is the area of responsibility God has entrusted to you. It includes your life, your family, neighborhood, where God has placed you in the community. And God calls you to actually war against the spiritual powers in that area and bring His presence and power. Connect to Him, bring His presence into those places. It's what prophetic evangelism is about. It's about using the gifts of the Spirit to bring the presence of God to engage people so they are changed. So those are some areas of militancy. Now, God has authorized you to launch attacks on the devil. In Luke 10, verse 17 or 19, he says this. He said, I give you authority over serpents, scorpions, and all the power of the enemy. I give you the right to have dominion. I give you the right to represent me. I give you marching orders. Eh? Marching orders. Standard orders. The devil's in the way. Deal to him. Have a big God, little devil. Engage a big God, tread down the little devil. You've got to realize that God calls us not to be overawed with negatives and the power of the devil, but God wants us to be overawed with Him and to be captured with a vision. As a son of God, I'm extending His dominion in the community. So therefore, if I see someone's got demons in them, I need to rise up and to find a way to disempower them and deal with them. I heard of someone doing it just the other day in their office. It was, I was delighted. 
someone rolling around on the floor in an office because someone, oh, a lawyer, that's right, a lawyer, a lawyer's office. And it wasn't because they'd been given a big bill either, you know. It was, <laughs> it was actually Dave Madsen. Steve was telling me about Dave Madsen, how in his office one of the people had come there for, uh, for, to talk about some kind of issue and, and he just began to ask for permission to speak into her life and she said yes and he said, I see this, 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 this and this. She face changed. He said, would you like me to pray for you? Laid hands on her and prayed for her and demons began to manifest on the floor of the, the lawyer's office. Who said demons can't manifest in the lawyer's office? Heaps of them there, I'm sure. <laughs> well, wherever we go in the community, we are called to make the presence of God felt. And that means you have to make your presence felt. You can't be passive on that. We've got to step up, step up our game plan for this year. It's going to be exciting. Now, in 2 Kings 6 and verse 15 to 17, I want you to have a look at this. 2 Kings 6. This is where I'm really going today. 2 Kings chapter 6, and uh, here's a, a situation that says, uh, verse, we'll pick it up at verse 15, and the servant of the man of God rose early, went out, and there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. Well, it could have been a financial army surrounding an, an impending financial doom. It could be any kind of thing which is coming. He saw a physical army, the Syrians. Now, he was upset by the natural. Some of you at this moment will be upset about natural circumstances that are happening. Some of you may be facing circumstances which are incredibly distressing, if not overwhelming. That's what this man faced. And this is what Elisha said. He said, do not be afraid, because fear will quench your ability to touch the power of God. He says, I want you to see that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes, he may see. Now, I want you to see something in here. We need to be able to see through spiritual eyes. We need the Holy Ghost to open our eyes to spiritual realities. Otherwise, you consume with natural things. Now, what God did was, this, it, the Bible says, he said, I want you, Lord, to open his eyes so he'll see there's more with us than with them. Now, notice, someone invisible was with him. Someone invisible was with the Syrians. What was invisible that was with the Syrians were demonic spirits. What was invisible that was with Elisha were angels. Now, they were always present there. It's just the young man didn't see it. And Elisha said, Lord, I want you to open his eyes so he can see in the spirit realm the nature of this thing and see the angels that are with us. And immediately his eyes were opened and he saw horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He saw in the spirit realm angelic operations around someone committed to change the nation. Someone connected to God. Someone anointed with the Spirit. He saw the operation of angels. Did he see it before? No. Was he aware that they were there? No. He just saw stuff happen. But if he could have his eyes opened, he would see in the Spirit and see that there's an angelic operation as a result of this man's relationship with God. He could also see that there are demonic operations around that which is opposing what God wanted. You and I need our eyes open to see. In the season of prayer and fasting, one of the things to be praying for is that God will give you visions and dreams and insight to the situations you face. 
So instead of seeing them as just, I'm surrounded by an army, it's too hard to get that person saved, this marriage can never be resolved, this can, instead of seeing that, you begin to see what potential we have in the Lord, what resources are available for us in God. You've got to see different. What you see is how you live your life. So if you see that there's a supernatural realm of abundance in God around us, then it changes how you interact with what's natural around you. Elisha just rose up and he said, Lord, blind their eyes so they can't see. And immediately their eyes were blinded. That's a angel an angelic activity there. Now, we're going to look at a couple other scriptures and I want you, in each case you're going to find, and we're going to be focusing on this, in each case you're going to see angels operated in the invisible spirit realm to ensure that the people of God got the victory in the natural realm. And you and I have to understand that when we pray, when we touch the presence of God, when we enter in and begin to engage Him, then there is an unlocking of the angelic realm and things happen that would not normally happen. If you want the not normally to happen, you've got to engage God. Let's have a look in Daniel chapter uh, 10. Daniel's so fervent believing prayer releases angels. I'm going to show you how the activity of the believer releases angels. Whether you see them or not, well, God, God pray, I pray that God will open our eyes so many more people have visions. How many people in the last, maybe since we started this year, have started to find uh, dreams or visions have started to increase? Now look, just keep your hands up. Okay, have a look around, see? Starting to happen already. So expect that in the season of prayer and fasting that we'll begin to see things, that your spiritual eyes will be opened in a greater measure. Don't look for someone else's experience, but believe that God will increase your spiritual vision to see things you haven't seen before. Now notice what happens in Daniel chapter 10. In those days, he had a 21-day fast. Woo! Uh, verse 2. Uh, I said, uh, I was fasting for three weeks. Whoa. Ah. Then he says, now on the 24th day of the, first of the first month, as I was beside the side of the great river, that is Tigris, I lifted my eyes and there was a certain man clothed in linen. His waist was girded with gold. His body was like beryl. His face like the appearance of lightning. Eyes like torches of fire. Arms and feet like burnished bronze and color. And the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Was he happy to see the angel? Well, he said, I was the only one who saw the vision. The others didn't see. But that doesn't mean they weren't affected by it. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it won't affect you. As soon as hear what happens, says, great terror fell on them and they ran away to hide. So when God begins to invade supernaturally, some get to see, some get to hear, and some get to run away. Especially if you've got something to hide, you'll want to run away. So when we deliberately stir the church into prayer and fasting and engaging in the realm of strong, aggressive, assertive prayer, you can absolutely believe it will do something. First one it'll shake will be you. Great to pray for the city, but whatever you pray for, it'll stir in your life first. That's why you've got to realize in the time of prayer and fasting that you actually, the Bible says, put on the armor of God and having done all, stand. Sometimes the only place you are is just, well, I'm not advancing, I'm not retreating, but I'm holding my ground like two wrestlers locked in combat. Eventually you'll break through, but just don't back up. And uh, so he saw that. Now, you notice here, 
He said, when I slept alone and saw this great vision, no strength remained in me. So notice here what happens now. The angel then begins to talk to him. Verse 11, now Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright, for now have I been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Now, I want you to note carefully two things in these next two verses. I want you to notice this. Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God. Now, this is it. Your words were heard. And I have come because of? I have come because of? Who's speaking? An angel, most likely. And why was the angel come? Because of whose words? Daniel's words unlocked angels. Daniel's words, what happened? Daniel read the book of Jeremiah, the prophetic flow of Jeremiah, and he saw that there was time now when God was about to unlock some things. And so he set himself, what was a fleck of gold? He set himself to prayer and fasting, and he took the promises of God's Word, and he began to speak them into the heavens. He began to speak the Word of God. And notice what the angel said, I heard your words the very first day, and I've come because of your words. In Psalm 103, verse 20, it says, Bless the Lord, you angels of His who excel in strength, hearkening to the voice of His Word. In other words, the angels stand awaiting someone to give voice to what God is saying. We can't tell angels what to do, but we can give voice to the Word of God. We can speak the Word of God. As we speak the Word of God, it begins to initiate things in the spirit realm. Not just angels on assignment, but notice conflict. He said immediately then, he said, there was, he said, the day you spoke the words, I was sent. But there was a war in heaven for 21 days until you experienced a breakthrough. So when we have a season of fasting and prayer for 21 days, not necessarily on the first day or two you get anything much from God. You may have a very hungry stomach, that's all. But you can guarantee that if you'll take God's Word, search the Word of God for promises, for, for, uh, for ramus, for something God quickens to you, and then begin to start to speak it out over your life, out over your family, out over your marriage, over the finances, over your circumstances. Speak the Word of God. Speak the Word of God. Speak the Word of God. It's the sword of the Spirit. It activates angels. No speak, no angels. You must learn to speak God's words. They hearken to the voice of God's words. They are listening to the voice of God's words to do His will. So when I begin to discover what God is saying, and He speaks to me out of some word in this, and I begin to speak it, it makes room for angels to operate. Will you see them? Not necessarily. Will you feel the effect? Every time. Every time. Say So, David, Daniel gave voice to the Word of God. Now, here's another one who activated angels. Have a look in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark 1 and verse 12 and 13. And this is Jesus' 40 days prayer and fasting. 
So after 21 days of prayer and fasting, Daniel received visions and revelations. So one thing we should be praying and fasting for is for God to expand vision, spiritual vision, and begin to start to give downloads into our heart and spirit of what's on his heart for our life at this time. Don't just have life as usual. Set yourself to actually engage God and get something that'll set your year up. Not just life as usual. Now notice Jesus was, uh, verse 12, driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by the devil, and was with the wild beasts, and angels ministered to him. The angels attended to him as servants. The angels acted as friends to him. So angels attended to him. Twice, at least in the Bible, it tells us of angels attending to Jesus in the time of prayer and spiritual conflict. So we see again, someone is praying and angels are being activated. Now, Hebrews 1 verse 14, it says, angels are sent forth to minister for those who shall be the heirs of salvation. Angels are sent forth to minister for those who shall be the heirs of salvation. Have you got that scripture up? Just pop it up again. Hebrews 1, 14. No scripture. Okay, carry on. If you've got it in your Bible, angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. So who are the heirs of salvation? Who? Oh, we are. We are. We are heirs through faith in Christ of salvation and all the blessings that go with salvation. Now, angels are sent forth as ministering spirits. In other words, to help us. They are powerful. They can get the job done. We have authority. They've got power. They can get the job done. Whatever the job needs to be, they can get it done. Now, notice this. It says, angels are sent forth as ministering spirits for them who are heirs of salvation. That word for, I checked it out in the Bible. I looked it up in my concordance. And as the word in, in Greek, dia, D-I-A, dia. And it doesn't mean for. That's the best they could do in translating it. It means to act as a channel through which something happens. It means literally through. So, the Bible says in, say, Mark uh, 16, verse 20, says that God ministered, uh, it, it God verified His Word by, through, signs and wonders. So, let's take that statement there. God, uh, God verified His Word through signs and wonders. So God was making His Word plainly endorsed. How did He do it? What was the agency He did it through? Through the signs and the wonders. That's the same word used here. So angels who are ministering spirits set forth through those who are ears of salvation. So ears of salvation activate angels. It's through things we do on earth, they are released in the realm of the Spirit. And why do we need them to be released? Because we wrestle against spiritual powers. We need to have angels working for us and with us, accomplishing God's will. And how does it happen? Well, we say it, they hearken to the voice of the Word. I have come because I heard your words. Jesus prayed, His words were heard, angels released. We're going to keep going on it just one. We'll go one more time. And then I guess uh, this, I got really started to get excited as I saw this. Okay, let's have a look in, uh, uh, in the New Testament in Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. 
Now, we're not to worship angels, but we understand they have a role, and we have a role. We do our bit, they do their bit. Their bit, they are ministers of God. Eh? They excel in strength and ability and power. And you'll find, as you look through the Bible, angels intervened. There were massive disruption of the enemy, and major breakthroughs took place. Every time in the Bible you see significant breakthroughs, you find often it's mentioned that there was an angel there, or there's some kind of angelic activity. Notice this, Acts 12, verse 5. It says now, verse 5, Prayer was made, uh, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant or fervent or passionate or demanding prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And now verse 7, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, light shone him in the prison, struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Rise up quickly! His chains fell off his hands. The angel said, Come on, put on your sandals. And he did. Put on your garment and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And of course, the doors of the prison opened. Now notice this again. Strong, passionate, constant, effective prayer. And what did it do? It released angels. And what did the angels do? Two things. It's what the angel did. First, that which imprisoned him or held him bound broke off him. So if we're looking for breakthroughs, fasting and fervent prayer is a great way to get bondages to break off your life. Second thing, the prison doors that limited him, confined him, restricted him, were opened, and nothing could stop it. Not even 16 Roman soldiers. Nothing could stop the door being opened and the man of God being set free to do what God called him to do. So we see in this again, as prayer passionate, fervent prayer was offered, it triggered angelic activity that broke bondages and opened doors of opportunity. I think one thing we could be praying for in this coming season, one is vision, revelation, Daniel. Second one, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Pray for increase of the anointing of the Holy Ghost over your life. Third thing, pray for breaking free of bondages. Breaking out into new opportunities, new opportunities for business, new opportunities for meeting people, connecting with people, winning souls for Christ, new opportunities for doing something you haven't done before. Paul said, pray that a door of opportunity will be opened up. Come on now, we need to be serious about this season of prayer and fasting, be focused on what we want to get. Expect supernatural breakthroughs. Now let's go back here into Numbers chapter 10. I'll finish with this section. You're going to like this. Numbers chapter 10, verse 9. When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you. So he's talking now about an enemy, something opposing God's plan for our lives. Could be a sin area, could be lust, could be bitterness, whatever it is. Doesn't really matter. When you go to war against them, God expects us to do battle from a place of victory. He's won the victory. Our job is to stand up, believe, meet his conditions, and then begin to proclaim that victory. You've got to do it boldly. Now, notice what he says here. When you do that, you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets and will be remembered before the Lord your God and will be saved from your enemies. Now, that word alarm, when I first read it, because it sounded, oh, I'm in trouble. I need to shout out to God. Oh, help, 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 help. It sounded like something, but it isn't that at all. That word alarm means literally this. To shout with triumph over your enemy. It means literally to applause the Lord for the victory. So when the Bible says the trumpet of alarm, and I'll show you this in a moment, the trumpet of alarm was a shout 
of victory. It was literally announcing, no matter what's out there, victory, 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 victory. Praise the Lord. It was from the place of victory, declaring it before the end of the battle. I love what Bryden was sharing at communion. That place of victory. Coming from that place of victory at Calvary, Jesus Christ has overcome all our enemies. He's left it to us to engage Him intimately and then be His extension now to deal with them. What a great privilege we have. A kingdom enforcer. Dirty Harry. <laughs> yeah, we've got called to do something. Now, so, save means literally to be delivered from the battle. Now, notice what God's saying. He's saying, you sound the shout of alarm, and it will initiate angelic activity that will result in you winning the battle. You have to do something supernatural to activate angels to ensure you win naturally. Most Christians just try hard to live a good life, but the life of victory is a life in the Spirit. It's a life from the place of the Spirit. It's a life from a place of intimacy. It's a life from knowing God. It's a life of surrender to God. It's a life of having the Word of God and holding the Word of God. Otherwise, you're just trying to be good and doing all the same stuff you did before you saved. No angels, no supernatural activity. You get a thoroughly good hiding regularly and then feel guilty for it. That's not God's plan. He wants us to be victorious, to rise up, win the battle. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Jesus Christ. Putting it another way, thanks be to the Lord who always causes us to win. Even apparent defeats turn out good in the long term. Hey, that's that, like the cross looked like a defeat, turned out real good long term. There's a lot of things in the Bible look like a massive defeat, and through God, they turn out just brilliantly. I love that. I love that God can take something that's dead and bring it to life. I'll give you a couple other examples. There's, there's, I'll give you some examples. First one, Joshua. In Joshua 6.20, the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and then the wall fell down. Now, how does the wall fall down, fall down with just shouting and trumpets? Hello? There must have been some angels released when they shouted the uh, sound of alarm. I'll explain that in a moment. And they all shouted, and the trumpets sounded the alarm. Angelic activity was released, and the first city they had to take fell supernaturally. God's wanting us to understand that the battles that we fight have to have a supernatural dimension. When Joshua went to Ai, he got very, very complacent at that point. He thought it was an easy little battle. We're going to win the battle. He went to Ai, and they got cleaned up, and they lost 36 men. Now, then what he did was this. He went, and he wept before the Lord, and he cried out desperately. Why was he so desperate? No angels. No supernatural help. And just 36 men, and they lost their lives, 36 Wives lost their husbands, 36 families lost the father. Why? Because there was sin, compromise, and the power of God was not on their lives anymore. Great lesson to learn. He was alarmed, and when God showed him what to do, he did it then. The next time they went to battle, he held the sword, he held the word of God, the authority of God up, and they absolutely routed the devil. Absolutely routed them. Okay, here's another one. Found in, uh, in Judges chapter 7, verse 19 to 23. 
give you this one and then the one more and then we finish. Judges chapter 7, you know the story of Gideon. So verse 19, Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. As they posted the watch, they blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers in their hands. Everyone blew their trumpets. Everyone shouted out, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp. Now look at this. Now how do you explain this? 300 men turn 120,000 to flight. You've got to have angels helping you to do that. I mean, we're talking 120,000 men of war, trained soldiers. How come they all got a panic? And notice what it says here. Look at this. Look at this. It says, the Lord caused them to fight one against another. So you notice again, there was a shout, there were trumpets, and they stood their ground, and God released a supernatural power and changed the balance of power so 300 could drive 120,000 to flight. Notice what it says, verse 22, the army fled. Verse 23, they pursued them. See, you don't want to just get a breakthrough. God wants you to pursue till you've totally routed the devil and you've got a change in governance, change in what's happening in your life. Oh, are you excited about this? Now, you notice here that they blew the trumpets. Now, uh, in 1947 through to 1956, there was an, uh, uh, an important, one of the most major archaeological discoveries took place in uh, Israel around the Dead Sea. And what they did was they found around some caves, about 11 different caves in the Dead Sea, they found some scrolls. And these scrolls are called the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they were put away and kept very secret for many, many years. But around about the 70s, they began to translate them. And when they began to translate them, they found there were portions out of every book in the Bible except the book of Esther. They also found there were writings that had not been seen before, psalms that had not been seen before. They found there were some books that they'd not seen before. And they also found among the books there, they found a book called the Book of War. How about that? Fancy discovering the book of war around about that time. And so they've translated the book of war. And the book of war was, I'll just give you its, 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 its proper name. It's called, it's called the, it's called the war scroll, the manual for military organization and strategy. It's, it's called this, it's called the war of the sons of light against the sons of darkness. And it gives how they were to go to war. Now, this is not necessarily just about how you fought a natural war. This is about a spiritual war of the children of God fighting against the powers of darkness and ensuring they get a victory. Now, what you'll love is this. When I saw this, I thought, oh, I love this. I just love this. I got a copy of this, this uh, war scroll, see, so I could look at it. And uh, the first, the, the, the war took place in, under, in two engagements. It took place, first of all, with an aerial assault which is a well-known way. If you want to win a war, win in the air first of all. Beat the enemy down from the air. Until you've got air victory, when you've got air victory, then follow up with the hand-to-hand -hand combat, which is nothing's changed in, in life, hasn't it? So the, notice this, the first part of the war was an aerial bombardment. Then it was followed up, and that was done with javelins and arrows. And that was followed up by engagement with sword and shield, hand-to-hand -hand combat, until the enemy was totally destroyed, routed, and then pursued and beaten into the ground. 
this. And so in this particular document, it gives all the outline of how this war took place. I'm just going to give you a few things because you'll love this. And I want to draw attention to the trumpets. And uh, it'll just take a couple of minutes to do this. The first thing they did was they had a battle formation drawn up. And the battle formation could be concave or convex. It could be shallow or quite steep. And then they had, it set various parts of it. They had what they called towers. And the towers were the most important part of the aerial assault. The towers consisted of 300 men this way, 300 men that way. In other words, 300 shields, 300 shields. It was a square, 300 shield square. No back to it, just sides and a front. And the towers were positioned on the left and on the right. So the towers, 300 shields on either side, on the right side and on the left side. And what would happen is they'd form their military formation and the towers would be set up in their place. Now, here's the interesting thing. The towers were the first to initiate the assault. And what they did was they, they had on the sides of the, of the shields, they had the name of angels. On the, on the towers on the right, the two towers on the right, Michael the archangel, Gabriel the archangel. Then they had the names of two other angels. One was Serial, and I can't remember what the other one, Raphael, on the other side. And so what would happen is this. In order for the battle to start, the priests would sound the trumpet. And it would be the summons to advance. And the moment they sounded the trumpet of the summons to advance, immediately the gates of war would open up. And what would happen is 50 of the shields would part and they'd come out on either side with the javelins and they would hurl javelins and arrows, seven different lots of them. On the javelin, the very first javelin that they threw, I've got to tell you what they wrote on the tip of it. I love this, that they had on the javelin. The shining javelin of the power of God. How about that? Huh? And the trumpet that would sound, the trumpet of uh, that, that particular assault was a trumpet of summons to advance, and that was the trumpet had written on the side of it, reminder of the vengeance of God at the appointed time. Now you've got to understand, this was the battle against the powers of darkness. So they would sound out the trumpet on which was written, a reminder of God's vengeance at the appointed time. They would sound it and immediately the gates of war would open up, the men would come out and start hurling the javelins, which had on it the shining javelin of the power of God. Now that is a picture for us prophetically, and of course what would happen is angels would be released. Remember what God said, when you sound the trumpet of alarm, you will be saved. What a fearsome thing to have a battle array like that. And then they start all hurling javelins, and then God begins to disrupt the enemy. Angelic powers released. Now what is the javelin? The javelin and the arrows are pictures of intercessory prayer. Before you have any gain, you have intercessory prayer. Hurling the javelins means taking the Word of God and hurling it into the places where the enemy has held everyone captive. Speaking the Word of God. This is not the time of personal engagement. This is where you're standing at a distance. It's the place of intercessory prayer, accessing the presence of God, following the directions of the Holy Spirit, and speaking words that release angelic powers. That's why this year intercessory prayer 
It's got to be lifted up again to another level because we want to see the power of God released. Then they would sound the trumpets of alarm. Now the trumpets of alarm, had, they also had written things written on them. They had a different sound. And they had three different sounds that they played. Hey, you'll love this. And each trumpet had something written on it. It sounded first to be the trumpet of ambush, which meant all the foot soldiers now rose up, began to advance with sword and shield upon the enemy. And that were had on it, the mysteries of God shall undo wickedness. Then the next trumpet they would sound as the, as the soldiers advanced and began to engage. Now remember, this is hand-to-hand engagement. This is where you're out of the prayer room, you're engaged in the world, engaged in the affairs of life, and you have to stand up and hold the Word of God and the shield, which is the armor of God. You've got to hold the armor of God, the shield of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. You've got to stand as a believer and engage. And notice what it said here, what they did. The next trumpet was the trumpet of massacre. And it had the mighty hand of God in war shall cause all the ungodly slain to fall. Then they would have, when they saw the enemy breaking, they'd sound the trumpet of pursuit, meaning run after them. Chase them. Chase them down. God has smitten the sons of darkness. His fury shall not end till they're utterly destroyed. That's what was on the trumpet. Isn't that brilliant? David in Psalm 18 said, I cried unto the Lord in my distress. He delivered me. He brought me to a large place. He taught my hands to war, and I pursued my enemies, and I smote them into the ground. It's exactly a description of what was in these documents. You can't just have a little bit of a breakthrough and take a rest. We pursue in our personal life until we now have changed the dynamic in our life or in the circumstances around us. They had two other trumpets they sounded. One was the trumpet of retreat, come back into battle of formation. Written on it, God has reassembled His church, reassembled His people. And then the trumpet of return, come back, from, come back from battle with the spoils. And on written on that was rejoicings of God in peaceful return. Isn't this fantastic? I was so excited as I began to hear those things and read about those things. The trumpets. Now listen, what it boils down to is this. It's a time to pray fast and begin to push for the supernatural realm over our personal and corporate life to change to another level. So what that means is set yourself over the next three weeks, build a strong, passionate, focused prayer life. Focus means I've got things I'm believing for, breakthroughs, enlargements, uh, new opportunities, whatever it is, write it down. Set a season of fasting, whether it's partial, full, however you do it, that's up to you and your circumstances. But then whatever you did, write it down and write down why you're doing this so you have in mind where I am going. Perhaps it's for vision revelation. Perhaps it's for the power of God to be increased in your life. Perhaps it's for uh, release from bondage. Perhaps it's for release of opportunities. Perhaps it's for just a breakout in your life and God touching the people around you. For all of us, it needs to be for souls to be saved because that's where the battle is one. When the demon powers holding a soul into the gates of hell are destroyed, souls are released, and we've won a victory to advance the kingdom of God. Come on, church, it's time for us to arise, to arise, to let this battle sound begin to come again. Hear it in your spirit, a stirring out of passivity, out of complacency, into prayer, into fasting, into a new season. Oh, 